innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. Thank you for joining us on this lovely Sunday morning. We have a packed show. My name is Jeff Shaw, and I've spent the most of the weekend playing touch butt with some dork in the park. With me, as always, is Trevor Hayes. Uh, Trevor, what are your feelings on touch butt with uh, dudes in parks? I don't know. I think I'm going to take some kids' jujitsu classies. <laughs> it's uh, never a bad idea. I've also, my throat's still really sore from yelling. 209 what <laughs> doritos what thanks for gravity for holding it down what like my throat's really sore from yelling last night for those of you who don't know i enjoyed it don't get wrong no i'm so happy that nate won so happy for those of you who don't know we are referencing last night's ufc upset win of nate diaz over conor mcgregor which we will break down for you later with especially we'll talk we want i know we want to talk with our featured guest jason farrell about it from level up gym but uh, both me and Trevor were pretty excited about that, and so we try and keep it local here. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Nate oh, Diaz yeah. victory, the Holly Holm upset loss to Misha Tate as well. So we're coming to you live as always from 104.7 FM in Hillsborough, North Carolina, streaming live at whoopfm.org. Our featured interview, as I mentioned, is with Jason Farrell. We'll get to that in 20 minutes or so. But first, we're going to summarize some martial arts news from the weekend. And oh boy, is there a lot of it. If we missed anything here, uh, please let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWhoop, CagesideWHUP. Also use that hashtag. Our email is CagesideWhoop at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook at CagesideRadio. If you miss the show, you can always catch the replay on whoopfm.org or on Ice iTunes or Stitcher, where you can and should subscribe. And if you like the show, leave us a review. Um, so there's tons of news to get to, and I think we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. The primary thing that I, I want to talk about first of all is the New York Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Pro Open was this past was yesterday, and we had several local competitors uh, compete. And before, well, I'm gonna break down the results. And at the end of this, we're going to get a call from John Bagels Telford, who took a bronze medal with a series of really impressive matches. Um, so for those of you who don't know about this, the United Arab Emirates Jiu-Jitsu Federation holds the Abu Dhabi World Pro Trials. And if you win the absolute, then uh, you win a trip to Abu Dhabi to compete in the World Pro, which is arguably the most prestigious grappling tournament um, in the world. It's uh, up there with, you know, the, with ADCC and, and the Mundials. Um, and so I'm you're looking at me like I'm an uneducated kickboxer. I always look at you like you're an uneducated I know. Uneducated like you're looking at me, it's like, yes, Jeff, I know what this is. You're not so. fit to polish my silverware. Uh, God, Whoa. that was terrible. That's the worst accent wow. ever. That was Can almost as. Yeah, no, no. Forget. Let's just. We'll edit that out in post production. Um, <laughs> so. Really great news. Kim Rice, uh, who is a purple belt at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu on Team Hoist Gracie in Durham, North Carolina, uh, just put Man. on a series of spectacular performances and won double gold, winning both her weight class and absolute, mowed through the competition, uh, had, uh, I believe, five matches in her weight and absolute, and only had two points scored on her the entire time. Yeah, I saw her first match was 15 to nothing, yeah. and then a submission. Was that, or no, it was yeah. just 15 to nothing, or then... Or so the first match was... was it was like the ending of Old Yeller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mercifully and mercifully it's over yeah. <laughs> so the, the first match was 14 to nothing then she was up 18 to nothing on the next match before oh she gosh. unlocked her and 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 in the finals and so so i was really impressed i don't i don't I'm, i apologize i don't know the name of the of the woman that she fought in absolute finals but that woman 
was an outst- a really, really good competitor and long, lanky, flexible guard, really tricky, really dangerous, had had mowed through everybody until she got Kim. Well, thank Kim, God Kim has Seth Shamp to roll with. Yeah, right. Who <laughs> <laughs> was like the longest, nimblest person you can ever meet. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And you know, and to, to say nothing of, of black belt technique, which of course helped, uh, uh, you know, helped and 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 so Kim fought that girl in the finals and dominated her eighteen to nothing. And when whenever there's something like that that happens, you can just tell that somebody's on on another level. And so, you know, anybody who knows Kim uh, and who we are going to get on the show, Kim has agreed to come in uh, as a part of a women in jujitsu panel with a couple awesome. other women in jujitsu. So awesome. I'm very excited to talk to her. Kim is, you know, I, I, I try. I always try and be. Um, a little more demure and humble about my teammates because you know you don't want to be seen as like talking up your people. But Kim, Kim has a really good case for being the best purple belt in the world, and 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 that's and uh, won a trip to Abu Dhabi, April nineteenth to twenty third. As a result of it, you can check out some pictures from that, some screenshots on our Facebook page. Um, I remember when she was a white belt. Oh yeah, what I mean, am I doing with my life? Yeah, <laughs> I know a lot of people that are black belts and brown belts now. When I was a white belt, and yeah, I'm well, like, you're what doing, am I doing with my life. Well, you're doing jujitsu now too, which Somewhat, was which was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> so we had uh, we had other local competitors as well, and like you know one. And if you go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com/slash/cageside-radio, you can actually see a couple of matches from a gentleman that we hope to have on the air right now. Mr. John Bagels Telford, uh, who put on some outstanding performances, some of which you can see on our Cage Side Radio Facebook page. John, do we have you on the line? You do indeed. How are you guys doing today? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, dude, outstanding performances yesterday. You looked like a beast, and I, I know you didn't get exactly the result you wanted, but uh, but we were all super proud of you watching. For those of you who didn't watch along, uh, John earned a bronze medal, uh, ended up only losing by ref's decision, which is where it's a tie score. The ref has to make a decision. He lost to the eventual gold medalist, Tiago Aguiarabuji of, uh, of Unity Jiu-Jitsu, who's an awesome competitor. So congratulations, man. You looked awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about your experience with the uh, w- with the matches. What was it? Was it what you expected? Um, what were your overall impressions of the event? Uh, well, the event was it was it was interesting. Um, <laughs> I thought that it was going to be a little bit a little bit more professionally run in terms of weigh-ins and uh, just the overall competitor experience was kind of lacking. Um, they were running behind a lot of the day. I think my, my brown belt division was supposed to start at one thirty, and I didn't end up competing until like three thirty or something like that. Maybe three. I know it was, it was, it was running, running a good bit behind with no, like no semblance, semblance of like an explanation. So you really kind of had no idea what was going all, on all day. You're just kind of waiting in the bullpen and waiting and waiting. So that part wasn't nice. I was I was frankly really happy that nobody broke their toe in one of those mats that kept coming apart too. And uh, you know I said this on Facebook. It really makes you appreciate you you know not to not to butter up my friends at U.S. Grappling, but like really makes you appreciate the competitor experience at U.S. Grappling, which I've never seen run two and a half hours behind. Um, irrespective of that, um, you're less yeah. Like- I don't know. If, I don't know if you could see it on Flow Grappling before. I want to say it was my before my match with my, my match that I lost. We had to like stop at the beginning, and like I got down on the ground, and we started like pushing all the mats back together. Wow! You know, in, in fact, like, yes. In fact, I took a I took a screenshot of that, and I took a video of that because I was like, is that, "Is that what he's doing? Is he stretching? No, he's pushing the mats back together." And yeah, and, yeah. people also kept crashing into this the the scoreboard TVs. They had like these LCD TVs on the ground right next to the mat, and the refs it 
they have no ring control at all. They just stand in one place and don't move. And guys are just like smashing into these TVs. Yeah, Matt that part was kind of delightful. Yeah, Matt Four ended up ended up uh, not being able to, to broadcast because they broke one of the TVs. But well, but let's not focus on on the negative for now. Let's talk about your matches. So, which what was your toughest match, and what was the match that you were most proud of? Um, I mean, I'd say the toughest match was probably the match I lost. Um, that guy was he was really tough to deal with. He he played a really smart game from the bottom where he didn't really do too much. He just kept a good collar grip. Um, from the half guard and kept feeding the outside leg in, like setting a butterfly hook. And it was really tough to deal with. He was he was really good about stiff-arming me away, and he was really good at playing the points. He wasn't really trying to do too, mu- too much. Like, he knew he had to do just enough to win, and that's pretty much what he was doing the whole time. And I, 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 I couldn't pass his guard. I couldn't really, like, get, get things opened up and get to work. So that was probably the toughest match. Now, with the match, you're, like the two matches that I saw that I was most impressed by, and you can, you know, I would like you to talk about each of these. You hit a really slick calf crusher on a guy, and we have a video of that, which was, which is I think pretty cool. And your bronze medal match, where you had to be really exhausted, I thought you performed really admirably. Really tried that jumping triangle that you hit at one Toro Cup. Um, so maybe you could talk me through each of those matches. Yeah, the the calf slicer match was crazy because that. I don't know if you could tell on the stream, but that guy was gigantic. And, like, usually for that for that weight division, I'm one of the bigger people, usually, like, the taller end of the spectrum for the 69-kilo division. And he was a, a good bit bigger than me in every aspect. And it started, he came out and tried to flying triangle me, which is, like, I really don't like that. And so that kind of got the match off to an interesting start. And then he kept trying to foot sweep me really hard, but he was pretty much just kind of like tie kicking me in the leg. Oh. And so that kind of got me frustrated. So I was pretty happy once we got to the calf crush position. Um, yeah, he didn't once tap. I said it, though, yeah, he didn't. You know, he didn't tap I fast, it, right? Like he Im- immediately, as soon as I as soon as I switched from the back and, and went to attack the calf slicer, which is a transition I do a lot, his calf was immediately completely flat against the back of his hamstring, which I'd never seen before. I'd never seen somebody be able to get their leg that flat. So then I had to start, like, pushing with my foot into it to apply more pressure, and he still wasn't tapping. He didn't tap until after it cracked really, really loud. And he ended up limping off the mat. Yeah, he ended up limping off the mat and hopping off on one foot. Yeah, it was interesting. I was, like, sitting there waiting for them to kind of deal with him. You know, like, at IBJJF tournaments and a lot of other events, they'll kind of, like, have you step to the side and they'll, like, deal with the injured person kind of, like, respectfully. And then, like, then we'll, like, go back to dealing with who won the match and whatnot. Not at ADCC. They did not care at all. They just, like, had me stand right in front of his body on the ground as they raised my hand. Yeah, you know, did they put him in a wheelchair and just roll him out back and leave him there to get picked up by some some No, they folk? had, there's, there's like, a, a good-sized medic lady that came out and helped him off the mat afterwards. But it, it just seemed as though, like, normally that gets done beforehand. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because, like, ordinarily folks that follow the Facebook know I like to get screenshots of our local people getting their hands raised. And the reason I missed yours was I was like, surely they're not just going to leave this injured guy down. And then, oh, my God, they just did. And, like, he's laying yeah. there as they raise your hand. It's like, man, that's kind of – Yeah. That's not tasteful. 
I tried to like assume the you know the standard position, like go over to a corner and kind of like get on your knees and be respectful. And the ref was just like, "Let's go, get up!" Like we're not we're not waiting around for this guy. Man, well, so 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 you ended up you know you, you ended up losing a ref's decision and then having to fight for a bronze medal, which was a really exciting match against the Henzo Gracie guy uh, from New York, and you ended up uh, you ended up winning that match. And I noticed that you you tried the. Uh, the, the jumping's bagels triangle that you hit at the Toro Cup to start that match. I did. I, I was exhausted for that match. First of all, I didn't know that I was I had to fight for third. I thought we were done. So I'd kind of like mentally checked out and started like packing up my stuff. And then I was I went over to try to find out like where I needed to go next. The guy was like, Oh, you're up you're fighting next. Like, oh. Oh. All right. Let me, let me warm back up a little bit. So that, that match was tough. I was tired, and uh, there was. I think at the beginning of that match, I like, I passed. I want to say I passed straight the mount and didn't really get any points for it. Yes, um, no, you did. Like you, you passed them, and, and me and Alex Cummings were watching the stream. You got two advantages for passing straight the mount. Me and Alex were flipping. Yeah, out. I did it. I did it in two matches, and I guess I probably should have looked at the rules a little bit closer. But maybe they have. Maybe you have to like have the person completely flat and like. I don't know, cause I like it seemed like I, we're either in mouth or I'm on his back. It's one of the two here, but mm-hmm. something I don't know. But well, no, no points for me. Yeah. Well, John, like uh, we, you know, uh, so. I got one more question for you, and then unfortunately we got to we, we got to go. But I, I appreciate your calling in. Like, so what was it like for you to be there watching your friends, like C.J. Murdoch, Kim Rice? I don't know if you get to see Kyle Trujillo. What, was there? A, what was it like for you to be part of that experience, watching those folks compete? It was man. It was really exciting watching C.J. get out there and, and compete against some you know some world class competitors. That was really fun watching him go and you know try to do his thing. Um, I'd have to say Kim Rice's performance and watching her like. I didn't really get to see any of her matches up until up until the very last one, the one for the trip, and she was just smashing. And you know, to be right there next to next to Mask and with Beverly, like everybody's excited. It was it was really cool. It was really fun. That was probably like one of the most exciting points of the trip. Maybe even more so, more exciting than placing mm-hmm. third or whatever that is. <laughs> that watching watching her win and accomplish that goal was was pretty awesome. Well, it's always great to talk to you, John, and like we really appreciate your calling in. And and don't and please do not under undermine your own performance because you looked like a beast. And uh, and we're all really, I mean, I'm really stoked that I got to watch it. Thank you very much. I appreciate the support from you guys as always. All right, John, we'll get you back in studio when you're back in town. All right, thanks, guys. Y'all have a great day. Uh, you too, John. Take Toodles. Care. So yeah, so that was uh, th- so. Thanks to John Bagels Telford for calling in, and congratulations to everybody who competed. John referenced C.J. Murdoch uh, competing against some legitimately world class guys. Trevor and I were talking about this in the coffee shop before, and C.J. got to compete against two dudes who could legitimately win the worlds, including Sinistro, who is uh, <laughs> is uh, who, by the way most Brazilian. When he's not finished fighting Green Lantern. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the thing you need to know is most Brazilian nicknames sound awesome and are actually insulting. Like they mean things like fatty. Uh, But Sinistro means badass. And if that tells you anything about the guy CJ fought, it, it should. 
So a couple more news items to get to, Trevor, before we get to our featured interview. Um, Roger Carroll had a fight in Bellator this yeah, weekend. He fought Neiman Gracie. He fought Neiman right? Gracie. Yeah. Who is, is that Henzo's third nephew once removed via marriage on, and on his mother's side. boat? <laughs> on his sunken boat. Okay, on his mother's side. Henzo was in his in Neiman's I saw court. that. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Jose Davila who, Davila, who is a local MMA fighter who trains with, with Roger, was in Roger's corner. So it was a really cool experience to watch them. Roger ended up losing that fight by decision. Mm-hmm. But I thought acquitted himself pretty well. He was landing some good strikes, particularly in the second round. I was no joke playing pinball like all night and skee ball because I'm a giant child and I forgot the Bellator fights were on. That's too bad. Well, I think you can still see it on the stream, but like Roger, we're proud. We're we're really proud. Good for him, man. Making out in Bellator, you know, little guys getting their shots. Yeah, yeah, Roger's a great guy, and it's always good to see uh, local guys competing on that stage. And so hopefully he... Local he, guys? Why did I say little? God, Jesus. It's always good to see little guys, too. I mean, I'm 145 pounds, <laughs> and John is about my size. So, like, we're, we're, we're behind you on the little guys <laughs> thing. So just a couple more things for news, and then we're going we're gonna to switch it up to a different segment. But uh, so next weekend is U.S. Grappling, sub-only Virginia Beach. Remember, if you're a black belt, black belts compete for free, so please register for that. Also, the IBJJF, the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, is coming to Charlotte in October, October That's 8th. That's awesome. Just in time for my vegan birthday, which, yeah. is, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm excited to compete about that. Uh, or to com- to compete in that. When, you, when it hits a full moon, do you get vegan telekinetic powers? Yeah, I can't confirm or deny that. But let okay. me put it this way: if guys try to untie their belt so I can't bear and bolo them, they, <laughs> it might get retied with my mind. That's full. It might get retied with my mind. So to close out the news segment, we're just going to reference this, and I want to talk, how, give Trevor some props and get, uh, offer him the opportunity to brag a little bit. So the UFC last night had two big upsets, or what were considered upsets, with Holly Holm being defeated by Misha Tate and Nate Diaz beating Conor McGregor. And Trevor, you had a prediction for the. And we're going to talk in depth with Jason Farrell about this when he calls in in about five minutes. But like, but um, Trevor, you had a prediction for that. Yeah. Fight. So I told a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people have overlooked McGregor's uh, career, where there's one fight a lot of people don't bring up, and it's his fight with Max Holloway, who was a very long, lanky kid who would do enough to engage and disengage to frustrate Connor. Because Connor's one of those guys he wants people to come in, he pisses them off, so they just jump in. Where Max, he's a He's a he's a kid from Hawaii, you know. He's like, which is like the island of Stockton in some places, you know. Like the it's a it's just a hard nature, so they don't it's really basically Stockton West. It is like they don't fall to that that crap talking like some of us Blanco Diablos will um, that come from good households. So like a the range frustrated him. Max didn't fall into the crap talking game, and uh, he was making McGregor engage with takedowns and cage work, which is funny because uh, then McGregor's like, oh, I, I hurt my knee, and I'm like. You hurt your knee, so you went for takedowns. Uh, and it was just, you know, Max frustrated him and made him work. And then I told people, hey, you know, I won't t- I won't put it past Connor if he can land that big shot and knock him out. I won't put it past him, you know. It's like trying to say Ronda wouldn't armbar somebody. But I told people, like, but if, but if Nate can keep his range and frustrate him, McGregor will shoot a takedown. And then he's going to fall into a hellacious trap known as Nate Diaz's jiu-jitsu. And look at that, you know. And also, like, kind of relied on his chin too much. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk to Jason about it, see what his opinion is. Um, but, yeah, it was – I called it, you know, that Nate will keep his range, frustrate him, make him shoot, and uh, he fell into that trap of a children's jiu-jitsu coach. So uh, I, I have vegan telekinesis. Trevor has carnivorous precognition because he saw that coming. And uh, so good for Trevor. And we will talk with Jason about that. So that's the news, folks. If we missed anything, always let us know on Twitter or via email. We have one more quick segment pre- previewing something cool that's coming up, and then we'll get into our featured interview with Jason Farrell. Fine, Cowboy karate. Cowboy, Cowboy karate. karate. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Uh, 
It's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFM.org. So friends, if you like cowboy karate or taekwondo or jujitsu or samurai stuff or any other martial arts stuff. Or touch butt in the park. Or touch butt in the park with a pool noodle, <laughs> with or without a pool noodle. There's like It's like Gian Nogi. Yeah. You have the, your with pool noodle category, your without pool noodle category. <laughs> so if you like it. Next book. <laughs> so if you like any of that stuff, we're, come with us, won't you, on a journey to figure out what the greatest martial arts movie of all time is. Or at least this year. We're doing a bracket challenge. Just like March Madness, there are going to be several rounds and we're doing fan voting where you can fill out a bracket for free and win some awesome prizes so you can get your bracket at this url bit.ly bit.ly slash ccc movies like cage side concussion cast movies so check out our bracket we've put a field of 32 out there and you can fill that out and submit it by march 12th for a chance to win it's free and you can win some awesome prizes we already did a selection show with the seedings that you can find on itunes and stitcher and soundcloud if you're curious about the rules of the contest but i just want to break this down for folks the top five brackets win a prize and we have some really exciting prizes we have cage side concussion cast t-shirts they're brand spanking new thanks to boomer uh from, from cage side and and toro bjj for making those for us we have gi patches if you do get concussion ca- concussion cast gi patches if you do the p- pajama wrestling and remember we're having the concussion cast carnival may 1st where you can put me or trevor in the dunk tank and one of the prizes is going to be you can pick who you want to dunk and you get free balls for the dunk tank uh, so that's the right to pick then so that's going to be one of the prizes i'm also giving away a free dvd of blood sport mm. which is the number one overall seed in the yes. contest so I want to break this down. Here's how it's going to work. So we have a committee of five people, including me and Trevor, who are going to vote on who wins the first three rounds. Basically, we're going to get down to the final four. And we're going to announce those results on net next week's show, which is March 13th. Once we have the final four, you, the listener, are going to get to vote on what your favorite martial arts movie of all time is. So we're going to have our, vote, our listeners vote on semifinal matches the week of the 13th, and we're going to talk about those on the March 20th show. Then the national final, the, the best martial arts movie of all time bracket, is gonna. we're going to vote the weekend of the 20th. We will announce the winner and all the prizes on March 27th. Trevor, do you have anything you want to say about this? I still hope we can set up some kind of like awesome old school martial arts movie night. Yeah. I still want to do that. I do too, and we are working on that. And I don't know if we're going to do that at the Concussion Cast Carnival or sometime other, but we, but we would love to have another. You know, we're doing our first event, at, you know, as you've heard me mention, uh, May 1st, the Concussion Cast Carnival, Durham Central Park. It'll be a great day, noon to three. The Facebook event uh, will tell you all you need to know about it. And me and Trevor both want to watch some of our favorite martial arts movies. So whether we do that that day or set up another event where you can watch some great martial arts movies with us, let us know. In the meantime, Go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash cccmovies, fill out your bracket. You can either hand it to me and Trevor at the gym, or you can take a picture of your bracket and email it to cagesidewhoop at gmail.com, but participate. We're going to have a great time. You know what else is going to be a great time, Trevor? What's that? We're going to talk to Jason Farrell in just a second from Level Up Gym. I am also very excited, and we're going to talk to him. He's calling to us live from California at the, from CSA Gym in Dublin. I believe that's when we talked, yeah. Yeah, is he, where, where is he? Ba- but he's not based out of California. No, no, he's based in right? Maryland. Yeah, Bowie, Maryland. Bowie, Maryland. Yeah. So maybe, like, while we're waiting for Jason to call, and I'll play a bumper here in a second, you can tell us a little bit about your background with Jason, about something in his, his bio. It's like a Facebook bromance <laughs> is kind of what we have. He, uh, This guy, he's an amazing coach. Uh, he's really doing a good job on bringing together a lot of East Coast gyms, uh, really making a, a push for a good East Coast Muay Thai scene. Um, he... Uh, not only from being an amazing coach and, and getting his gym up and going in a short amount of time, um, he has some of the best memes and videos I have ever seen. 
they just keep me they keep me dying of laughter. It's always important to be entertained. Yeah. It's always important to be entertained. But he also has a great martial arts pedigree. You know, uh, so Jason started martial arts when he was six years old. Huge, huge like comic book nerd. Also, like he gets as geeked out about like the Daredevil Netflix series and all these Marvel movies coming up as I do. So it's awesome. Well, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And so, so he's uh, anyway. So he started off in Taekwondo and uh, practiced uh, numerous arts uh, during his journey. Eventually, developing a real passion for Muay Thai, which is one of the reasons that you guys probably get along so well. And eventually began his coaching career at an MMA gym in March 2008. But you can hear all about it from the man himself, Jason Farrell, who's calling in right now. Giggity. I think you should be a complete martial artist, you know? Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a beautiful martial art just like Muay Thai. It's just Muay Thai is my passion. Um, Muay Thai, I will be doing Muay Thai when I'm 90 years old. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFM.org. Hmm. Well, that's strange. So Jason's trying to call in, and let me... J- well, that doesn't that doesn't seem good. <laughs> so I see Jason trying to call in, and we're not uh, we're not uh, we're not able to receive. Is that strange and embarrassing? Are there some buttons you're not hitting? Some switches you're not flipping? Yeah, I'm sure there are. For anyone but that like, hasn't seen the Cape Side Concussion Cast Studio, we have this giant panel board thing in front of us. We've got these boxes over here to the left. I don't know what they do. I can imagine if you ever get stuck inside a transformer, then when they transform into an Autobot, this is what it would look like. Yeah, it's super weird because... Lots of flashing lights and buttons and switches. <laughs> I do love flashing lights and buttons and switches. Uh, it's weird because the uh, the uh, it worked so well with bagels. It worked so well with bagels. So we're going to have Jason try to Skype in with us in a second, um, uh, which is uh, our backup plan. And in the meantime, Trevor, while I'm trying to fix technical difficulties, perhaps you can... Uh, Perhaps you can talk a little bit more about uh, about uh, your background with Jason and how you guys got to know each other. Um, yeah, it's just something through Facebook. Uh, you know, uh, I think I just sent him a friend request one day, or maybe he sent me one. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I stalked him because um, I saw he was popping up. Um, he, uh, I, I saw all these the level up boxing memes um, popping up, and it's really entertaining. I saw he uh, he cornered my good friend Araceli out of eight points oh. to uh, her world title in uh, Spain with the WKAs this year. Um, and I kind of hit him up on Facebook one day, and we started chatting, and I was talking about kind of trying to get him down here for a, uh, a seminar, and kind of have like a, to me it seems like a little geeky bromance kind of going on. I'm a big fan of his coaching style, his personality. Uh Great to see what he's doing with the scene up there. Yeah, and so Jason has produced quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of champions, like quite our, a bit of talent. Yeah, in a short amount of time. And so Level Up Gym has produced um, some amateur heavyweight boxing champions, some WKA kickboxing champions, some Muay Thai champions, uh, as well. And like it's prime. And I think you know one of the things that I find interesting about it. It's one of the only striking focused gyms in Maryland or in in that area. Yeah, it is primarily a striking gym. Uh, he puts on these big events known as Spar Wars, where guys travel from all over, and they'll have like seventy people there for sparring. Like it's bonkers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see your head frustrating back and forth. Uh, yeah, like uh, <laughs> you're trying to get the Skype thing going. Well, uh, you know, it, it's uh, you know, we we have uh, two squirrels and a and a possum. Excuse me, an opossum, opossum. running running our uh, running our our, <laughs> our little uh, our little technical technical stuff. So Jason's running and getting his laptop, and uh, and we're gonna try to and and so now so so like I know we wanted to talk about the UFC with Jason, mm-hmm. but so maybe we can continue to break down some of the big upsets. Yes, yeah. uh, um, the. Uh well, as I talked about, we talked about that that Nate uh, McGregor thing. Really, it was Connor. Just I kind of think he fell into his own words 
is what happened. Uh, he, I don't think he focused on the actual martial arts training. He focused on his movement, and uh, he relied too much on his one-hit power and his chin too much. And once those were starting to give, he panicked. That's plain and simple what happened, I believe. Yeah, and I mean, and and, and like you can speak to that a lot more effectively than I can. Uh, I would like to talk about the uh, the other big upset, which oh, is sort the, of getting lost. Yeah, in the, the uh, Holly Holm and Misha Tate. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was a yeah two big upsets. The the Diaz McGregor upset really overshadows that. Um, man, to be honest, I kind of wrote Misha Tate off, and I feel really bad for doing that. And um, Misha, excuse me, Misha had a great second round. Um, really imposed her her wrestling on on Holly Holm, but then Holly Holm. Uh, kept showing her great use of, of range and, and cutting out and staying outside of those takedowns. And then there's a minute and a half left in the fight, and Misha just gives it that one last go, just mm-hmm. gives everything she can, grabs onto her hips, sits out back, pulls her down, is on her back like a spider monkey, and puts her to sleep. Like It, it was really, really impressive for Misha Tate. And if there's someone that deserves to have a world title, it is Misha. She's been around for a, for a hot minute fighting. Yeah, and like I think if there's one thing that we can definitely say is going to happen as a result of last night's fights is uh, it, people are going to work on their rear naked choke defense. Yeah, uh, right? What would Hoist do? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, I mean, it's the simplest choke, but it's also one of the most effective. And like one of the things that, that people will say, and like a lot of folks have been saying this in the wake of the fight, is that there are no – like. There are tough people that you can break their arms and they'll keep fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when when John Jones broke uh, that dude's shoulder with the uh, with the shoulder lock, he kept mm-hmm. fighting. Uh, but n- there are no tough people as regards chokes. You know, you go to sleep, and yeah. that and, that's and Holly how, Holm went out on her shield. She straight went to sleep. You know, and yeah. and, and and that was one of the things. Like McGregor I, can talk about being a warrior, but Homie like tapped quick. He did tap real fast. And, and, you know, I'm sort of of two minds about this. I see people that I respect uh, talking. So for those of you who didn't see the He fights, also blamed it on his, like, ah, it's frustrating. Like, here's the thing. I don't like it when people have to get their confidence from talking crap. Mm-hmm. I do not like that. Nate Diaz's confidence comes from him being a tough, well-rounded fighter. Like, he doesn't always fight to the best of his abilities, but he knows he can fight. And he knows that he's going to go out. And he knows that if it goes to the ground, he can stay there. If it's on the feet, he can stay there. I mean... Mm-hmm. McGregor, like he just he ate his words, and I love seeing that. I love seeing people eat their words. Uh, yeah, so McGregor, I, I concur, and like, yeah. and and what, I concur with that. And one of the things that's kind of interesting to me also is that uh, that we, you know, Connor had been submitted twice before yeah. by Joe Duffy and by another dude with, with um, I forget who the other guy that is a, a Russian guy that they brought in for McGregor to beat. I remember, and then that guy ended up losing ten fights in a row after that. Like yeah. he never went anywhere after that. And so you had hoped, you know, that that he had worked on his jujitsu because, like, you know, I mean, Connor obviously is primarily a striker, very strong and explosive, likes to stay on his feet. But you had hoped that he had worked on his jujitsu enough. And like Nate answered, asked yeah, like, him some questions. He like he if you want to say him. you're a martial artist, guess what? Like make yourself a complete martial artist. Don't sit there. Focus on movement. Like, even how can you say that you're going to go into a title fight, another title fight, and you're looking gas going to the second round, getting frustrated, breaking down? Like, that, that's, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, it, it like, always it, be prepared. Like, even I tell people all the time, oh, you're doing MMA? Okay, well, really focus on your jujitsu. Yeah, and like, maybe you like can. Like, when worse comes to worse, you can use jujitsu more in an MMA fight than anything. I mean, for sure. I mean, it'll never desert you. And like, really, yeah. what Nate did to him. Was Nate um, did some classic Gracie Jiu-Jitsu stuff, which is you you mount the guy, and it was silly easy for him to mount Connor mm-hmm. once he got him to the mat. Which is another thing I say, like Nate a- asked him some questions that he hadn't been been asked before, and wow, was it easy to mount him? And then once he uh, once once Nate started punching him, 
Connor turned his back, which is like the classic, the quintessential. Yeah, he like, yeah, like Jason Colbert was yelling, oh my gosh, he's giving up, he's giving up. And then as soon as Nate gets the hooks in, he gets that arm across and he starts to apply. Dude, Connor tapped so quick. That was his out. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, so I'm sort of of two minds about this. And I it's kind of like, you know what? I kind of want to come. I want to know what Connor's feeling right now because he's still got a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but can he really enjoy that million dollars? You know, it's like, like, I don't know. It's, like having a cheat day two days in a row, you don't enjoy it as much the second day. <laughs> you don't enjoy that pizza two days in a row as much as you do just the one day a week. Yeah, no, totally. And like, and you know, I, I was think, thinking about this in a different context, which is like, uh, you know, one, one of the wisest men I ever knew uh, said, "The rich aren't any happier than you and I, but they do take cooler vacations." <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, because because it's gonna sting. You know, if you're a competitor, and Conor McGregor, for whatever else might be said about him, is a competitor. You know he's gonna have you know he's gonna be able to sleep on his in his bed of huge of of, of dollar bills and what, whatnot. What I, what I appreciated though was uh, Nate Diaz talking about, look, man, I'm 25 fights into the UFC and I know where I'm going and I know where I'll be in another 20 fights. Where is he gonna be at in 20 fights? Yeah. Like guys like McGregor, they come on strong and they leave pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll see it happen. Um, I, I think that McGregor will still stay relevant for a couple years if he can improve. Other than that, and all of a sudden, no one wants to root for a loser. You know, like he has a lot of Fairweather f- fans behind him. Um, a lot of these people, I guarantee, are watching him just because he's loudmouthed and he's entertaining. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. All these people in Ireland, they're, they're watching him because he's Irish. That's it. Yeah. You know, that is really it. Um, it was like, it's like me pulling for the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl. I don't watch the Super Bowl. I don't watch football. It confuses me. I watched it because of the Carolina Panthers. You know, it's just uh, his, his, his candle's going to burn out pretty quick, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe he comes back. It'll be great to see if McGregor can improve, learn some jiu-jitsu, and maintain a title, make a good run. But I hope he just understands what happened as a good learning curve for him. Yeah, I hope so, Because it looked like too. he was trying to walk out of that cage and he was about to cry. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. I mean, it's 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 tough. I, uh, I, I, hey, oh my gosh, I think we Is may have, I think we may have connected with with Jason. Let me ch- ch- let's let's try this. Jason, do we have you on the line? Yes, sir. Hey, right. awesome size. Oh, look at that. I apologize to everybody for our technical difficulties, but thankfully we have the man himself from the Level Up Gym. Uh, we talked a little bit about your bio, but Jason Farrell, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for getting up early on the West Coast to talk to us. I'm actually, I actually, I'm not on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast, so it's not too bad. Oh, okay. I thought you said that you'd be in California. My apologies. Yeah, no, that was the that was the original plan, but I didn't end up making it out there. Oh, bummer. Well, so so Jason, I wanted to, we we talked a little bit about your bio about how you started martial arts at six, and you know you started with taekwondo. You've been doing striking a long time. Started MMA coaching uh, in two thousand eight, and I'm curious. Oh my gosh, I think I just lost him. I totally just lost him. No, I'm here. Oh, you oh, are. Okay, yeah. awesome, sweet. You just so, opened up the other window. Oh, I tried to kill the the notifications thing because it was dinging, yeah. but then I was like, oh, I think I just shut the other the wrong yeah. window. Man, you know, every every time you say I'm smart, I'm gonna remind you of this. Yeah. Anyway, so you've been you've been you've been training all kind of different martial arts uh, since the age of six. Started coaching MMA at 2008, and now have your own gym. So maybe just talk us through that journey and like how you started in martial arts and how that brought you to where you are today. Um. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is. Uh, so when I was a kid, I was obsessed with, uh, like, toy guns and, um, like, war and just all kinds of, like, anything violent, pretty much. And I think my mom was a little worried about how it was going to end up. Um, and when that, well, she was, like, refused to let me play with any type of uh, toy guns or anything that was, like, war-related. 
but for for whatever reason she was okay with um she was okay with uh like swords and nunchucks and stuff like that so i figured if i was gonna be allowed to play with that stuff i might as well learn how to use it that was kind of where it started and then i got really into martial arts um and i've been obsessed with it ever since you know and so, you know, you gravitated to striking pretty early on. Is that right? Yeah. And so what about that excites you? Well, I mean, uh, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm older. I'm, like you said, for 30 years now I've been in it. So uh, that, was, that was the only type of martial arts really there was when I was a kid, you know. Um, Jiu-jitsu, you know, wasn't really a thing until like 1993 when Hoist Gracie came out and, and everyone had to learn jiu-jitsu, but... So striking was, you know, I, and it was obsessed with Bruce Lee and you know all the martial arts actors at the time, stuff like that. So I felt like that was what you had to learn. You had to learn how to be, uh, you know, a striker. How did uh? So what then got you into? When did you find Muay Thai? When did you transfer into that? So you started out traditional martial arts. I think like everyone ends up realizing, man, that dude kicked me in the leg. Hey, that guy had answers for everything. Like. How, what, what got you gravitating towards Muay Thai? When did you first find it? Uh, kickboxer. Kick, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, man. Like I said, I, I, do you have a hard time um, going back and watching that? Like, I have a hard time yeah. going back and rewatching. I go back and I'm like, man, what was I thinking when I used to like this? <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty brutal because he doesn't do, he doesn't do any type of tie, like the whole movie. <laughs> the whole movie, yeah. Um, but, Oh, the feed's fading out. It's just so nasty. Like, I don't. There was something about something about it, and I remember. You hear me? Oh, yeah, it's fading in and out a little bit. Yeah, just act like we can hear you. Um, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Um, I remember bugging the shit out of my mom. I was like, you we can't say that. Muay Thai place, and there was. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Bugging, uh, bugging my mom about where uh you know finding a muay thai place and there was um there was nothing around there was no i think there was a place in like wheaton which is 45 minutes from where uh we lived which is too far i mean i used to ride my bike uh to karate so um it was one of those things like it got put on the back burner until i was 26 that was when i finally found a muay thai gym that i felt like was like a real muay thai gym um that was down in camp springs maryland that was where i started this you know, this next journey that I'm on now. What were you doing uh, up until 26? Is that, you're a graphic designer as well? Is that, am I, do I have that right? Or you co-own a t-shirt? Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, that actually came after though. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so 26, I think I, I was actually doing kendo at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been doing kendo for about two years. Kendo and um, Iedo. So I was learning um, like how to draw and how to cut with the katana and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it was another thing that I always really wanted to get into. So, uh, and then I finally, I'd been, I, I really wanted to do MMA. That was my, um, that was where, where I was. I was a big fan of MMA and I uh, was kind of just, I was, I was living part-time in Jersey for a little while. So I was here in Maryland on the weekends and I was in Jersey during the week working and um, almost started training up there. And I ended up back in Maryland, uh, you know, for good. So I, I finally was like, well, I need to, um, get off my butt and, and finally do this thing. I've been talking about getting into this for a while. So I finally got into it. I was also really overweight too, actually, uh, from like 2000, 
two until I mean even even in 2006 when I started training I was still um, coming down in weight a lot you know I got up to about 240 pounds at one point so oh, I think wow. I was 240 you said yeah and I'm oh my god when I'm in shape right now I'm at low I'm pretty out of shape right <laughs> when I'm when I'm in shape I'm usually about um, 175 so I was 240 240 and I was kind of I was like, I got to get the weight off before I start training, and I kept kind of using that as an excuse, and I finally got the weight off, um, got down to about 200, and then um, I started training finally. How how were you able to get that weight off? Did you have a specific training regimen, a specific diet thing that you were doing, or did you just, tra- did you just, did you just uh, spar all the time? Uh, well, so I did it before I started training, actually, uh, to get from 240 to 200, and I had a... Um, one of my best friends in the world who's actually my, my partner at Level Up. He's a big workout guy. Uh, just, you know, weightlifter, this and that. And um, I said, man, help, you know, can you help me out? Can I come to, with you to the gym? And he just, every day I just went to the gym with him and uh, we worked out. and I, I lost about 40 pounds. I, I mean, at the, t- at the time I wasn't doing anything. So I think that, that was all it took was I just needed to do something. Um, and then, yeah, the rest, the rest came off just from, uh, you know, sparring and training, going to class and eating, eating a little better. Um, when you got into Muay Thai, did you, you did compete. Um, did you ever know that, did you ever think that you were going to fight? Was that your, were you like, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fight. Or did it kind of just end up happening? No, I was, I was 100% planning to fight. I wanted to fight. Um, I wanted to be fight MMA and I wanted to fight Muay Thai. I did jiu-jitsu tournaments, all that stuff. Oh, awesome! Right on. Uh, so, how many overall fights did you end up having between MMA and uh, Muay Thai? I and never kickboxing, ended up boxing. Doing, yeah. I never ended up doing MMA. I did boxing. Uh, five boxing fights. I had uh, thirteen Muay Thai, um, and then I did a bunch of jiu-jitsu tournaments stuff too. Right on. Nagas and stuff like that. What? Uh, what? brought the transition from fighter to coach did you kind of just see like maybe you had a pretty good knack for holding pads i mean i don't know anything about like me i was a horrible fighter i was such a punching bag i and it turned out i was much better at holding pads for guys in the gym and and correcting people where i was messing up what was your transition from going from fighter to coach um it happened it, it was kind of like an accident um because it was one of those things where, and I and I even try to tell some guys now to be careful about about it because uh, you have to kind of make that choice. So I got the opportunity about a year and a half after I started training to start teaching um, at one of the affiliate schools or the the original gym that I started at. And uh, in my mind, because at the time I was I was uh, working for a Honda dealership, I sold cars. I was finance manager for a little while there too. And, um, at the time I was working so much that when the opportunity came up, even though it was like pennies compared to what I was making in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'm going to be at the gym all day. I can train full time. You know, I'm going to be doing what I love, which is, which is exactly what it was. But the thing that started to happen was, I there was all the coaches pretty much were competitors on our team. So there was no like main coach. There was no guy who was like, all right, I got to make sure these guys get weighed in. I got to make sure they're ready. I got to make sure their weight's on point and all that stuff. So I slowly over time started taking on that role and making sure that everything was the way it was supposed to be. Um, because when people lost the fight, if you were the one who was there in the corner, you kind of feel 
like that's your fault. I mean, you should. As oh a coach, yeah, it's, it's an it's an awful feeling. Yeah. So and then I started. You know, it it was. It was things where you start, you know, you. I'm sure you, you guys know, you start being like, well, what what did I miss? What didn't I do? And, I mean, one blaring thing was like, well, if I'm in training camp too, like how focused on their training camp am I? You have to remove um, yourself from the training, and, and it's like a self-sacrifice is how I is. feel. Yeah, I miss it out is. on training a lot, but I find it really rewarding to sit back and see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of how it went. It wasn't intentional, really. It was more like I felt like I, somebody had to, to bite the bullet and do it. Um, so I kind of stepped up, and it, it never, it honestly, still was never really my intention to um, keep going that route. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll kind of help help these guys out for a little while, and then I'll get back to my things. I had a knee injury at one point too, so that kind of made it a little bit easier so like well i can't really train the way i want to and that was actually when i started boxing uh because i could i was worried about getting kicked in my leg and um so i started i got really good at, at boxing um during that time and just helping everybody out with their stuff so um at the time that i was thinking about opening level up i was actually teetering on staying here opening in my own gym because i you know i had ideas on how I wanted to do it differently um, and also was thinking about moving to California to go back to training and back to competition again yeah you know? I, I yeah that's that can always be a, a tough that's a tough struggle for anyone that kind of hits that, that that teetering point between coaching and fighting um, how what really gave you that jump like you said you were thinking about going to California and going back to training and you were kind of in between maybe I'll open up this gym what gave you that final push to say i'm gonna open up this gym well i had started something with uh luther jared um aaron patrick the, the those are like my four main um fighters and they were all with me at the gym that i was at previously so it's just kind of out of like uh i don't know why the words not escaping is escaping right now. It, it just kind of felt like i owed it to them you know, mm-hmm. like we had started something. Um, I believed in the four of them more than anybody that I've worked with, really, you know. And uh, I felt like they deserved to go forward and and um, reap the benefits of all their hard work. And I was worried that if they stayed behind at that gym, it wouldn't happen. Or if they had to start over at another gym, it wouldn't happen or maybe it would happen a weird way. I don't know. So really it was for them. It was for the, That's awesome. yeah. the, the fighters that I had. Um, and they, I mean, you look at it, it worked, it, it was worth it. You know, uh, Luther's undefeated pro boxer. Um, the, the last card he fought on is, uh, is a, is a company that's like, um, it puts, you go from there, you go to like HBO, you go to, oh, Showtime, right on. You, go to, you know what I mean? So Luther lights out Smith. Is that correct? I keep, yeah. I stalk your Facebook so much. You have no <laughs> idea how much of a fanboy I am. It's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, he's, um, you know, he's, he's on his way. Um, you know, Patrick's, uh, Patrick's doing really good with his MMA career as a pro. Uh, Jared is, uh, he's in that weird category. He's a 125 pound Muay Thai fighter. Oh yeah. So, you, there's like ten guys in the in the, <laughs> in the in whole America. country, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he'll I'll hopefully eventually get a chance to fight them all, and then um, we'll probably have to take him overseas uh, 
later in the year and stuff like that too. But he's doing great. He had a he had a really spectacular finish his last fight. Um, and then Aaron won two gold medals at uh, the WK Worlds uh, last year, which was amazing. She had six fights in in three days. Who was also your um, girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> how, how does that work out? Like, how does that work out? Like, because you guys seem perfect for each other. How does that friendship relationship work in between the coaching aspect? Because I've got guys when I'm working with fights, like we sometimes butt heads. Like they're cutting weight, and I'm like, "Man, are you really getting mad at me about this right now?" But then Aaron's your girlfriend. How does this? How does that relationship <laughs> work out? Is, is it like a you guys are unicorns? It works out perfectly. Like what's happening? It, yeah, we. I, I got really lucky. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think because in in the in the time that I've been coaching, I I I broke up with two people and then kind of went on uh, at the same time. I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Uh, I kind of hit a point where I was like, well, I'm just not gonna until I'm done being a coach. I'm probably not gonna be in a relationship. Because it's it's really time consuming, put man. Everybody on the back burner in in for what I was doing. You know, I would. Basically, like if, if they want to hang out, I was like, yeah, I'll, I I can come by at like ten thirty p.m. You know what I mean? That's the life I'm uh, living right now, man. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah that this, this full time coaching stuff we is had tough. Fights and and you know, your weekends you got fights and uh, you're training and all that. So everything, all that stuff took precedence. So it was awesome to have somebody who Aaron is the same way. Aaron will Aaron will live in the gym if 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 you let her. You know, you have to kind of. She she'll probably wants to be there more than I do half the time, so that makes it that makes it pretty easy. Um, she's she's not cranky when she cuts weight, which is bizarre. Lucky. Uh, I mean, everything. She's she's perfect, man. I mean, I got I got really lucky for sure. Yeah. Um, I gotta also ask. So, man, you are as much of a Marvel comics nerd as I am. Like, you're always geeking out about the movie stuff. You have some great memes about it. Uh, have you always been that way? Like you, you correlate the two really well together. And where do you have all this madness for your memes? Like, is that just your free time in between clients and classes? Just I don't know where the meme stuff comes from. Honestly, sometimes <laughs> it just pops in my head. A lot of times, it's funny because when I first started doing it, uh, it's just funny to me. Like I'll even scroll back through them sometimes and crack up. Um, they make me laugh, so that's usually why I make them. But then. It's cool that other people think they're funny too. We oh, we great. gotta we gotta post some of your memes to the concussion cast page, but because you're such a big movie buff and a fighting nerd, I gotta ask, what's your favorite martial arts movie? And would you fill out a bracket for us? Yeah, for sure. Um, damn martial arts movie. You you don't have to list just one, but like you know throughout you know what what's the first thing that comes to mind? It so it's gonna sound crazy because it's not it's technically I don't know if you would even consider it a martial arts movie, but um, the crow. The Crow, yeah, it, right on. Because yeah. it's kind of like, it's got, you know, it's got that martial arts aspect, it's got comic book, um, and like I said, I was, I was obsessed with, with um, Brand, or Bruce Lee when I was a kid, and I didn't, I, once I figured out that he was he was dead, I was like, well, because when I, I, I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about this before, but, so, in the 80s, when you were in martial arts, like, becoming a professional martial artist meant that you went into the movie business, like, that was... Right. That was pretty much all you had back then. You know, there wasn't. They didn't have UFC, so there wasn't like a. There wasn't glory. There wasn't lion fight. There weren't these things where you could like be a, a superstar professional martial artist. Like your next step was making movies, going into movies. Yeah. So 
I was like, all right, that was, and, and it's kind of funny actually, because that was why I was always so obsessed with uh, form and technique. I was like, I will have to do this for camera one day, so I got to make sure my <laughs> technique is really good. And I, I thought about this a few months ago, it kind of made me laugh. But uh, so, um, anyways, once I figured out Bruce was gone, I wanted to, I was like, I got to be in a movie with Brandon Lee one day. I got to be in a movie with his son. Oh, and that's then, a buzzkill. Uh, yeah, and then, and then at 14, you know, uh, The Crow came out, and he, he had passed away. And uh, yeah, that's one of, that's one of my favorite movies, but I think the martial arts and the comic book aspect all, all kind of combined together. And uh, the fact that it was his last movie and all that stuff, that's, you know, that's probably my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. Um, what are some big upcoming things uh, for your gym coming up? Do you guys, you were talking about some more international travel. You guys had a great job at the uh, WK Worlds. Big props for, for coaching my homie Araceli. I've known her since day one of her. Oh training. yeah, Man, she's my she's my homie. Um, do you have any more uh, international traveling coming up for fights? And I gotta ask, how does it feel to realize? Um, did you imagine your gym hitting this point? Like so, how long has level been open? Two years, three years? Or am I way off? Uh, about two and a half years. Yeah. So we'll, in Ju- oh yeah, actually. Please. No, August, August, uh, August will be our um, our third three-year anniversary. Did you imagine this much success early on? Because you'll see some gyms, it takes them a while to hit that stride, uh, but you, you came over with guys ready to fight. Do you think that's a big yeah. accreditation? I mean, because you guys have just been on a roll, is what it seems like. Yeah, I yeah I, I no, I didn't expect it. I mean, because even, so, I mean, Luther, Luther hadn't fought yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we so they were ready to fight, but 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 Luther hadn't fought yet. Uh, I think Jared was like one and one or something like that. Aaron was zero uh, and three. Um, Patrick, I think, was like three and one or something like that. So they were ready to fight, but they it wasn't like I came over with um, some. They weren't like straight killers right away. Right, right. Like but yeah, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't expect us to. Uh, to, to, to do as well as we did as quickly as we did um but it, it was an eye-opener too because i i had at the other gym we had myself as a coach like i said there were so many people that were coaches and no one was really like the head coach so there's like a lot of different um ideas which i think is a good thing like i got you know I, i'm a big uh i'm big on cross training i think that's big and mm-hmm. you can learn from her but if you got like two or three people that are telling you completely opposite things, it's going to get confusing. Oh yeah. And I felt like that inconsistency was, um, slowing everything down, uh, on both ends. And I, and I said that too, like that their team has actually done well since I've been gone too, because I think that there needed to be one voice saying, this is how it should be. And everyone needs to follow that path. So, um, like that gym's doing fine without me now too, you know? Right on. So, what's the next big step for you guys right now? Do you have some more international um, competitions coming up? I'm trying to think what's next. Uh, yeah, Luther fights again in April. Uh, Pat's back on TFFC at the Borgata in Atlantic City in May, um, which is actually the same weekend as – this is going to be a crazy weekend because that's the same weekend as WKs. Oh, yeah, New York. Which we have like ten, we had ten or eleven fighters going to that. What's up with them being in New York this year? That that bums out us hillbillies down here, bro. Like it's so easy yeah. to go to Virginia for us. So Virginia, um, Virginia changed their legislation on oh, yeah. um, running fights, and the way that it came down the pipe 
it ended up being that only a couple, I think only like two of the sanctioning bodies that normally sanction fights in Virginia are still left standing from wow. the like new changes that they made. So um, Virginia's like the Wild the West. If you haven't been to any other fights in Virginia, it's the Wild West for for fighting. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And they and they and and I think that they're on on the other hand they are they're trying to change that, which is why that that's why they're doing all that stuff. So it's it's good and bad. It's gonna be it's gonna sting a little bit right now for all of us that are used to fighting there. You know. Oh yeah. Well, for us, it's a it's a two and a half hour drive. That's such a haul for us Carolina people. Like Chris is gonna yeah. have a lot of guys up there, man. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah. So we just have a, so Jason. I want to say thanks a lot for calling in with We're us. We're sorry today. for the time delay, man. <laughs> sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, no worries yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any fi- Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, anything that we didn't ask about that we should have? Just got one more minute. I don't think so, man. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a good time. Maybe a, a quick tip for uh, anything you have for people looking to get into fighting or like looking for gym stuff like that, or maybe just any of your own awesome wisdom like if that guy the, oh man i'm trying to think of that peter parker meme i just ruined it <laughs> about the don't know if he has hands or not gosh i messed it up that's terrible we can post it on our facebook later yeah I'm but uh best of luck to your guys on all their upcoming fights jason and uh and thanks again for calling in yeah thanks for having me on guys all right hope to talk to you soon again thank you yeah brother see you man take care yeah, I just I just oh, botched so, that. I tried to make a joke. Oh, it's a okay. Peter Parker meme. I'm such a goober. Oh, you know, we're all we're, we we love your gooberness. Well, so we just have a couple more minutes before we get up on out of here. So I want to say thanks to our guest Jason Farrell. Thanks to John Bagels Telford for calling in, and congratulations again uh, to both Bagels for his bronze medal and Kim Rice for winning absolute at the Abu Dhabi Pro Trial. Both of those folks really did North Carolina proud, and it's awesome to see local people um, doing tremendous stuff. I also want to remind you guys. Okay, so upcoming shows. Uh, we're going to do the next week. We have a very special interview with Ali Hidari, who is uh, Mazi Hidari from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu Jitsu's son. You won't want to miss that. Please, please, please fill out brackets. We've already got a couple of our bra- of, of brackets that have been submitted. You can win really cool stuff. Uh, go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash cccmovies to get your bracket. Take, fill it out, take a picture of it, send it to me and Trevor, or hand it to us when you see us around at gyms, at your gym, at tournaments, and, and whatnot. And we'll have some fun with that over the next couple of weeks. Finally, uh, please, please, please keep May 1st on your calendar for the Concussion Cast Carnival. We have eight great super fights uh, for jiu-jitsu booked already. We have three free seminars for jiu-jitsu, for Muay Thai, and for women's self-defense booked. You will, and plus you can dunk me and Trevor into a dunk tank. And we'll have food trucks and all kinds of of good times. Trevor, do you have anything you want to say about the carnival? Um, Yeah, I'm going to be trying to take uh, cash and possibly equipment donations for a little side project that going on. Um, I have a former student of mine who's starting a women's uh, kickboxing and self-defense program at an all-girls school. Uh, And she's actually out in, like, Kentucky right now or West Virginia. So I'm going to try and gather up just uh, boxing gloves and focus mitts. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe cash donations to buy some gear. But if anybody has uh, leftover gear sitting around the gym, some some focus mitts, some gloves they don't want to use anymore, uh, bring them to the Concussion Cast Carnival and I can ship them out to her. May 1st, a gear drive for a good cause. So, folks, thanks. I have a soul. Yeah, Trevor's got Trevor's got actually two souls. I, I use his when I, when when mine is, is is worn down. But my thanks to Jason Farrell for calling in. My thanks to John Bagels Telford, and my thanks as always to Trevor Hayes and to you folks for listening. We're gonna let Tune in the Real Law play us out, and we will see you all next week.